You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. We are essentially one week away from Thanksgiving. And we're going to get into some Thanksgiving desserts, by the way, today. But if you want to make that Thanksgiving of yours extra special, you need to include, in some form or fashion, Peterbrook Chocolatier. They've got the Thanksgiving-themed chocolates for you there right now. Take you through the holiday seasons. They can handle you at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Give them a call, too, 205 752 Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fright, Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60-minute moon of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, how you doing on this hump day morning? Doing pretty good, getting through it, you know. Excited to, to get on the other side of the week, though, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving and, and all the food and, and the desserts as you're about to speak on. You know, it's just been one of those years. It's weird in in a multitude of ways, of course, bizarre, surreal, whatever adjective you want to choose to describe what we've experienced since the middle of March. But, you know, in some ways, it seems like this year will never end. But then in other ways, all of a sudden, it's Thanksgiving a week from tomorrow. You know, like it snuck up on us. I guess it's because we've gotten to a point collectively where we will not allow ourselves to anticipate anything beyond the the noses on our face, which is probably, you know, smart, kind of protecting ourselves that way. It's like Alabama-Auburn. The Iron Bowl's a week from Saturday, man. Doesn't feel like it, does it? I mean, the anticipation and the lead-up to the end of a college football regular season, it's not there. Again, you can't really allow yourself to do it. Because we've reached a point in the, in the college football season where it's kind of become just random. Okay. You know, I'm very fortunate. I've never had to experience online dating. You know, the chocolate lady, God bless her soul, has been willing to put up with me for more than a quarter of a century now. You know, we started dating 27 years ago when, you know, you actually had to 
remember someone's phone number in your head. You know, you didn't just pull out your cell phone and type it right into your contacts, you know, or just tweet or text someone and they've got your info. You know, I met the chocolate lady and she gave me her phone number. And I can tell you how I remembered the phone number. I can still remember it to this day. She gave me her phone number and I associated the numbers with football jersey numbers that stood out to me. And I can still tell you the last four digits of her phone number back in the mid 90s because I based them on it was 9466. And I put the 94 to Big John Copeland. We love Cope. Gotten to know Cope in the years since. That tells you how small of a world it is. But the 94, back in the mid-90s, I thought, well, that's John Copeland. And then 6-6 six, six was the final two digits. And I think I associated those with, like, Roger Schultz, the former Alabama center. I don't know if that was a gift or a sickness I had back in the day. I think I can still do it, though. But, um, you know, no online dating, thankfully, through all these years. But that's what college football kind of feels like right now. You know? It's like, oh, well, you can't make Saturday at Chili's? Well, how about the 12th at Applebee's or uh, Olive Garden or something? That's kind of what it feels like right now. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. We would love to hear from you on a Wednesday. We're going to talk with Cecil Hurt. Tuscaloosa News at Tidesports.com coming up here in just a little bit. Maybe you ask Cecil if he has a Thanksgiving dessert of particular preference. You know, we talk so much about the turkey and the sides. and Look, all that stuff's important to the Thanksgiving feast. Unfortunately, because of COVID-19, I think we're going to have far fewer feasts this year that are expansive in terms of numbers, sadly. You're not going to have 20 people piled up in Casa de Ryer this year. I can tell you that. We're pretty much limited to the immediate folks. Myself, the wife, the two daughters. We do have the son coming in from Montana today. So I got to speed over. Well, I'm not going to speed in case any of the authorities are listening in on the program. Not going to speed. I've got to make my way over to the ham to pick up the oldest coming in from Butte, Montana this afternoon. But that's going to be the extent of it. You know, but I'm sure there will be outstanding, outstanding selection of desserts. And I post the I posed the question on the personal Twitter account as well, just before the show at Travis Ryer and already getting some pretty interesting responses. You know, so many people associate Thanksgiving dessert with pies. I mean, how can you not sweet potato pie, pecan pie? Jacob, are you a big pie guy, though? You know, I'm not a huge pie guy. I like um, I like a good peanut butter pie, but I'm not as big on pecan pie or sweet potato pie as so many other people. What about you, Jacob? Yeah, I, I like pie. Uh, I can't stand pecan pie. That's my wife's favorite. Sweet potato pie got loaded up on the Cool Whip, so I'm cheating there. Uh, so we usually, my, my parents will usually get those two pies, and then for me, I'll have a key lime or a chocolate pie. I won't know. Uh, but my nanny does make a very, very good peanut butter pie, and that'll get me That'll get me anywhere, though. Hard to beat a peanut butter pie, a good peanut butter pie. You know, the chocolate lady, she makes some outstanding pecan pies. She can do all of them. But I'm probably, when it comes to pie or cake, I'm probably more on the side of cake. I guess because is cheesecake really a cake, or is it more of a pie? You know what I'm saying? 
I know oh, it's cheesecake. We're getting into is a hot dog a sandwich territory with yeah, that I one. Yeah, <laughs> I We don't have enough time for that today, do we? But uh, I love good cheesecake. Love a good cheesecake. I do love a good custard pie. Just a straight-up traditional S&S cafeteria and making Georgia that a custard pie. I will eat that. I will absolutely eat that. Some of the some of the input we're getting on the Twitter thread right now for the <laughs> for the Thanksgiving dessert. My pal Travis Hamilton down in Northeast Florida chimes in. White Claw, he says. <laughs> I don't know if that's what we were going to going for, Trav, but uh, we got you down. Andrew Briggs says he loves a good banana pudding. Can't go wrong with that. Coach I likes Miss Edwards. Uh, lemon meringue pie. See, I'm not a lemon or lime pie guy. I know a lot of people like icebox pie and things like that. Now, a good apple pie, Tom Abraham up in the Huntsville area, radio personality of note, uh, he says he likes a good apple pie with a side of pumpkin pie. Not a pumpkin pie guy, but I can go there with you, Tom, big dog, on the apple pie, especially a la mode. Do you like a nice scoop of ice cream? If you go with the apple pie, Jacob, to me, that's kind of got to happen, doesn't it? That, that is a necessity. Warm yeah. apple pie, one scoop of vanilla ice cream, go to town. Same thing with a cobbler. Good cobbler, right? Absolutely. Peach cobbler. Ooh. Peach or blueberry. Yeah. I mean, ah. vanilla ice cream just that, – that's the best way to have vanilla ice cream. <laughs> yeah. It's really the only acceptable way, in my opinion. But so maybe we'll argument. just talk about – Thanksgiving desserts for the next uh, 51 minutes. I guess we'll get into some sports as well because, by the way, you know we're about to go into a pretty important stretch where basketball is concerned. Yes, we have plenty to talk about in advance of the SEC football weekend, Alabama-Kentucky, obviously on Saturday afternoon here in Tuscaloosa at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Looks like it's going to be absolutely perfect football weather, too. You know, we're kind of stepping, we're kind of tiptoeing through the tulips in hopes of these games actually getting pulled off. But as we sit here right now, we anticipate Alabama-Kentucky. We'll get into a few matchups of note for that game. I talked about a few here in the last couple of days. You probably can sense it, the trepidation in my voice when it comes to this matchup. More so in relation to more so in relation to the Alabama defense. What do we really know about this Alabama defense since that Ole Miss performance? You know, because some of the same things I said post-Ole Miss when Alabama fans had to be talked off the ledge after giving up 600-plus yards to Lane Kiffin and the Rebels in Oxford, what did I say right after that game? You know, styles make fights, and Georgia was coming up, And the thing I tried to impress upon Alabama fans was, look, Georgia conceptually and and as far as its approach to offense and its personnel, that's not going to be the same matchup. But we get so caught up in brands. Well, it's Georgia. It's Georgia. So it has to be better than Ole Miss. Georgia right now offensively isn't in the same universe as Ole Miss on offense. You know, it hasn't just it wasn't just an Alabama thing with this Ole Miss defense. Ole Miss has pretty much done this to everybody it has played. That's why I was anticipating the game in College Station on Saturday. I really wanted to see Ole Miss on the road with that offense against an A&M defense that has really been playing well since the Alabama game. So I was anticipating that we're not going to get it, 
But, uh, you know, in areas of which Kentucky is, is strong on offense, it's similar in, in some ways to Ole Miss. Now, you're not going to see as much tempo. That'll be nice. You know, Ole Miss's tempo was as much of a problem for Alabama as personnel or scheme or anything else. Kentucky won't go as fast as Ole Miss, so that'll be helpful. But again, at the fundamental levels of zone read in the run game with a quarterback that can legitimately threaten you with his legs, with tight ends that can catch passes. Now, look, Kentucky doesn't have a Kenny Yaboa at the tight end position. Kentucky's only thrown six touchdown passes so far this season on offense. But half of those have gone to the tight ends. So if you are, watch out for the tight end guy. Or watch out for the tight end gal. You're going to have your chances. You're going to have your chances on Saturday because there is a real likelihood, especially with what Ole Miss put on tape, that Kentucky, too, will look to uh, find some wide-open green spaces with its tight ends in dealing with Alabama's linebackers and safeties. Let's head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now. Check in with Steve on a gorgeous Wednesday morning. Steve, how are you doing? And Travis, this is a nice, nice day out here. I hate you got to be inside. I'll tell you what, it is so nice, and it's looking so nice for an extended yeah. stretch here. Yeah. I'm going to have to get the golf clubs back. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorta, Let's get the sticks I'm out, man. Go a few rounds. <laughs> you know, I've sort of semi-retired as a recreational golfer, but yeah. I got the son coming into town. He can really play. So we're probably okay. going to have to hit Old Colony or somewhere here in the next few yeah. days. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. We haven't had this stretch of weather in a long time. As good as oh, it's been. unbelievable. Travis, I was thinking, trying to anyway. Uh, first of all, has, can you think of a time when it's – can you think of any time when a coach or or a player transferred from another team, transferred from the team and went somewhere else that was as good – as Justin Fields, and I want to know how he got away from Georgia. What was what was? Did, did Kirby Smart not see this coming at all? Did he not see, uh, you know, how I, how I good think, he could I how good Fields Fields could be? I I I don't think Kirby had it was at a point where he was either capable, courage, whatever you want to call it to say, look, we're really good with Jake Fromm, but yeah. there's a real likelihood, similar to Jalen Hurts at Alabama, that yeah. we've reached our ceiling as an offense, in large part because Jake Fromm has reached his ceiling. And it's probably hard to say that to yourself when a guy's only through two years. I mean, Jake Fromm was just a sophomore. Right. But, you know, it was at a point where you were going to have to make that call. What is the ceiling of this guy individually? And then more importantly, how does that impact how much we can grow as an offense? And with Jake, a really solid college quarterback, they kind of hit that. And the problem for Georgia, too, was with everything it lost in terms of skilled people like McCole Hardman, some of these guys that no one really talked about a lot, but they were really good college players, and you're seeing them even now like Hardman with the Chiefs and the NFL. Sure. You had to ask yourself, if you're Kirby at that point, is Jake Fromm capable of elevating the play 
of everyone around him because that was what was going to have to happen going uh, yeah, into year two well, and year three. I, I see that. And especially year three. And I think we got the answer to that in year three, but by that time it was already too late. Justin Fields had left for Ohio State. And look, Justin Fields in gaining immediate eligibility, you know, he, he, he referred to some issues. Uh, yeah, that, that I remember that. The racial, uh, racial, the racial things epithet, like that. Um, and so, you know, there were a couple of things in play there. But I think first and foremost, uh, it went to sort of that fork in the road where you had to make a call of, were you going to stick with Fromm for another year or two? Or were you going to go ahead, similar to Nick Saban at halftime, of a national championship game and shift gears to the guy that could lift all boats, so to speak, more so than Jake Fromm. And Kirby didn't do that. No. Well, I guess this is just one Kirby has to say it. This one got away because I watch that guy and I hear about what he's doing and I'm going, good God, what, what would he have done at Georgia? Justin Fields. <laughs> the landscape games. may have been entirely different. Justin Fields, through three games this season, has thrown 11 incompletions. He has as many touchdown passes through three games as he has incompletions. He's completing 86% of his throws. So when people ask me as a Jaguar fan, what do you think, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, I'm good with either one of them because, as I said the other day, I'm seeing things from Justin Fields as a passer that make me feel just fine about an either-or scenario involving him or Lawrence. All right, all right. Well, that just—I just—I had—I had to ask somebody because uh, I, I just for for a couple of years now, and and you know, I don't think Kirby's—I don't think he's ignorant. I don't think he's—he's—he's got to be smart. He's been a head coach there for a while, and he's been winning. So I just—I just beat my head against the wall thinking, how can you let this get away? And uh, I just—that's just been on my mind, and I just thought I'd bring it up. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question, and in retrospect, it's one that that makes the Georgia fan base cringe for the most part. I get, I get it. Travis, (laughs) it's good talking to you, bud. Have a great day. Hey, thanks for swinging by the store yesterday. I got an update, and uh, (laughs) appreciate that, my man. Bark is uh, it's it's hard to improve on that. I got to tell you, it's good stuff, but it's oh so bad because I can (laughs) see bags of it. You take the good with the bad. Talk to you later, brother. There you go. Steve checking in. Steve checking in on a Wednesday as the input to the Thanksgiving desserts (laughs) continues to roll in. Uh, Jared Walker says he likes bourbon for his dessert. Fall and food at Damon underscore Tolbert. He's a pumpkin pie guy. A lot of pumpkin pie guys and gals. Um. And we have a poll now, courtesy of Tide 100.9, that asks you, on behalf of Southern Fried Sports, is cheesecake a pie or a cake? Here we go. I love it, Jacob. And so far, 75% in a very small sample size do side with cake over pie for cheesecake. Hmm. We're going to head to our first break. We come back. Cecil Hurd of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. It's Kyra Lewis Jr. Draft Day in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. The former UA point guard expected to have his name called 
in the top half of tonight's NBA first round of the draft. So uh, we'll talk with Cecil about that and a whole lot more when the program returns right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. What a beautiful day today. Blue sky and sunshine, the high 65. Clear tonight, the low at 38. And we stay dry tomorrow and Friday. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow is 67. Friday's high, right at 70 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. You're listening to Tide 100.9. Are you in the holiday spirit? Check out Tuscaloosa's Home for the Holidays on Nick 97.5. All Christmas songs, right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. We have gone back to our Kentucky playlist theme on this hump day. That one, special request from Cecil Hurt. So there you go, Cecil, as we bring you on here, the sports editor and columnist for the Tuscaloosa News. little My Morning Jacket. You know, I think people hear that band associated with the state of Kentucky, and maybe for some it causes a little bit of a double take. Well, um, Jim's from Louisville. They were formed in Louisville. So, you know, they, uh, their, their, their original roots are Kentucky. You know, in that state, if you talk about eastern Kentucky and you get over towards western Kentucky, you're talking about entirely demographics too, right? Oh, sure, yeah. The, the yeah. hill country, you know, parts of western Kentucky are almost like being in Illinois. Or yeah, Louisville, Louisville feels more Midwestern to me than Southern. I don't know about you. Yeah, and you, then you get on over to Owensboro and so forth. Um, and it's it's a different demographic than than um, Butcher Holler, where Loretta <laughs> Lynn's hometown mm. absolutely absolutely um but great but great music can come from anywhere so yeah we know what they love in kentucky and that's hoops and uh we got a lot of hoops to get into here yeah. in the next week you got Kyra tonight and hoops, one week from tonight in bourbon all yeah. all good topics yeah uh, all three uh near and dear to our heart there especially with the yeah. with the holiday coming up um Kyra Lewis tonight, you know, a year ago at this time, Cecil, we were kind of having to choose here on the show. We were, uh, if Zion went to New Orleans, we were going to adopt the Pels fully, but John Morant right up the road in Memphis, you know, we were a little torn between that and still might be 
But if Kyrie ends up in New Orleans tonight, I, I think uh, I think we're all in on the Pelicans, you know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. To play with Zion, um, that would be a great landing spot for him. So uh, we'll see what happens. But um, Kyra really seemed to have made a, a good decision to come back last year, you know, and not to not to come out when he was being speculated as a second rounder. Um, and if he ends up that middle first, um, you, you're talking about a tremendous amount of money over the next three years guaranteed versus not guaranteed. Yeah, that's a big number, no doubt about it, and uh, a lot of security uh, with that with that as well. Um, as far as looking beyond Kyra and, and this, this next edition of the Alabama men's basketball team, uh, there's been so much talk about Javon Quinterly and, you know, what's going to be expected of him, the Villanova transfer is it, it, right. in, in terms of style of play. I mean, end to end, there, there just aren't John ja Morant, maybe one or two other guys that can play with the speed that Kyra plays with. What, what are you looking at here, Cecil, and going from, say, a, a, a Kyra to a, a, a Quinterly for this next team? Well, I think Javon can play at SEC speed. You know, Kyra was probably the fastest guy in the SEC, and I don't know that Javon will be that, but I think he'll he'll certainly be uh, fast enough and and be able to play at the tempo that Nate Oates wants to play. And so, uh, if it, if he's got one skill that I, I think we just hadn't gotten to see enough practice, Travis, it's just hard yeah. to tell, but. But I think that that Javon can finish around the basket. Um, I think that he can penetrate, kick, and and he may have. And this is not a knock on Kyra, but he may have a little bit more of the point guard mentality than than Kyra has. Um, Distributor, yeah. So, uh, right, pass first, score second. So he he may not average. 18-5 a game the way Kyra did, but he made, you know, Kyra averaged 5.2 assists, and Javon may average 7.5. So, in a, in a in a good world for Nate Oates, that'd be his, roughly his number. So, um, it'll be interesting to, to see where it um, pans out in, in those terms. Um, but, you know, when Cairo was, was banged up and a little bit worn down from playing so many minutes last year, uh, Herb was able to do some of that. Um, they, they could, they've got Josh Primo. He can do some of that. So yeah, there is a big burden on Javon, but it's, you know, it's almost like you hear about quarterbacks that are surrounded by a lot of offensive weapons. Uh, that'll be the, that'll be the situation for Javon. And Nate Oates, he's sort of, a guy that not sort of, I mean, he likes uh, a high number of guys that can bring the ball up the court. You know, he's not one of these uh, traditionalists that, okay, we get a defensive board, find the, the point guard immediately, you know, and, and, and get the ball into the hands of the, the point. Um, you know, he, he likes an approach where uh, different guys can, can push the basketball. And you know, that's, that's kind of the, the, the precipice, I guess, or the, the ingredients that he looks for uh, yeah, in, in his it, offensive style not, of play. It's not the old 
Stockton Malone, you know, with John Stockton was a great point guard, but where you're looking to feed the post every time. Yeah. You know, and, and run the offense outside in in that way. So it's, as people saw last year, it's just a sort of totally different concept than, than the way people played 20 years ago. <laughs> but uh, it, it's not what Nick Saban referred to in the football sentence today as wad ball. Where everybody, <laughs> ball. everybody wads He's up within five past. feet of the goal. Yeah. <laughs> it's not wad ball. No, no, it's not. Um, we've been so caught up in the sustainability, the viability of a college football season in the midst of COVID-19 that we really haven't talked about the challenges that basketball has. And it, it seems like it's, it, it's, it's an even more daunting challenge for hoops. I mean, just in the last day we see, you know, coaches continue to be impacted uh, at that level with, with positive tests and uh, you know, it, it, the, 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 the contact tracing, that, that's an issue, obviously, for football. It's it's even greater for hoops, right? I mean, if you have one positive test, that's there's a good chance right there that you, you can't hardly field a team in that in, potentially in that scenario. Right, just because the the contact tracing and the, the fact that they're all around each other now. You know, Alabama has had players who've already had it. I don't know how that'll factor in. Um, I certainly don't know the the situation at Jacksonville State or some of the other teams, but um, do I think Alabama will play every single game without a cancellation, maybe because of an opponent or um, maybe because of the situation here? Um, No, I I don't. Um, Do I think they can get in what would amount to a season, 24 games, 22 games? Yes, uh, I think they can, and I think what everybody's Looking for is not a hundred percent regular season. Uh, they're looking to, to have enough games to to make a, a reasonable NCAA tournament feel because they have to have the NCAA tournament financially. Um, it's almost unavoidable that that programs are going to sink or swim on on that tournament, even if it's played you know two weeks later. That's part of the bubble concept that they talked to talked about earlier this week going entirely to Indianapolis, which I think most people feel like is a good idea. Mm-hmm. It's also much easier to push back, you know, one location like that than it is, you know, 14 different sites, you know, eight sub-regionals and four regionals and then the final four and so forth. It's much easier, um, for Indianapolis to say, yes, we're clear on this date. Um, you know, if your team can't participate, I guess it, it, it'll be a walkover for the other team. But um, we will have a tournament. We will have a 68-team tournament. Shifting to football, Cecil, it feels like we haven't seen this Alabama team in a month of Saturdays, and I guess that's because we haven't seen this Alabama team it's almost like a it's almost, it really is almost like a season opener on Saturday. I you mean, know, it, it, it feels like a day in the fall almost because you know practices are closed for three or four weeks, and then you get you get to see the team. You know, 
And it is. It's it's just like we're all right. Let's get caught up on Alabama football since since yeah, Halloween. Put, you know, they, they were, when last we saw them, they were doing pretty well. <laughs> you know, but it's been a while, and and it's funny, isn't it? Isn't it that how how taking time off, even though people understand the reason and understand the open date, understand LSU's situation. Um, Memories are short, man. All of a sudden, Kyle Trask is your Heisman front runner. Yeah, because because he played last week, and and Mac and Trevor hadn't played in a couple of weeks, and so so it's amazing how people how people's perceptions are shaped by that. But yeah, you know, I think this is a, a, a again, it's almost like a, a second season that they're just trying to get through. Um. And get into the championship game in the postseason. Yeah, get as much as you can. Get the get to Atlanta, and then you know try to get your four teams and play. I up. think if if Florida and Alabama win as predicted this week, and win are, are able to play and win after Thanksgiving, you know, weekend Saturday after Thanksgiving. At the point where they clinch, it's going to be a little easier for Florida to clinch than it is Alabama because Texas A&M's strung together so many wins and not playing this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but but when it gets to that point, as as teams start to be mathematically eliminated, and we're just starting that process of in the West, technically speaking, because of missed games and so forth, the only mathematically eliminated teams right now are the two Mississippi schools. Um, now, LSU would have to have a profound turnaround, you know, win out. Basically, Arkansas would have to win out. They play each other this weekend, so one of them is going by the boards. Um, and, and once schools are out of contention, I think playing dates are important. I think the SEC does want to play games, but I, I I don't know that that um, those teams that are eliminated from Atlanta are, are going to get the same um, prioritization. If they can play the nineteenth, they can play the nineteenth. You know, if they can't, then they can't. You know, I, I think I think you could end the year with some some SEC teams having played nine. You know, Missouri, for instance. They seem like they've been on the on the cusp yeah. all season long, and they're very much on the cusp for whether they can go to South Carolina and play this weekend. Mm-hmm. And South Carolina is probably not much better um, with the opt-outs. Yeah. Um, so, so um, if that game were canceled this weekend, you know. If if they're both available on the nineteenth, then they could play that game. If that Missouri South Carolina game doesn't get played, you know, it, it, it's. I, I think Our, everybody will. Everybody will carry on. Yeah, yeah I think. I think we're. I think. Them. I guess what they we might be on the verge season. on was. Sorry, I'm sorry. What what we might be on the verge of, I guess, Cecil, is a change in the verbiage from postponement to cancellations. You, right. you think we could be getting to that point? Because that's what we've we've heard about it in terms of postponements. 
in hopes of eventually getting games in. But with some of these games, they might just become outright cancellations. Do you think we're to that point yeah, yet? I, I think when we get through Saturday, this coming yeah. Saturday, and if the SEC gets six out of seven, you know, there's already one off the board. Or even five out of seven, if Missouri and South Carolina can't go. Then they're going to start looking at, at the schedule possibilities for their um, four or five teams that are still alive for the postseason and trying to make those accommodations. And if you're not one of those teams, I think that's possible. You know? like, like I say, I, if Missouri and South Carolina can't go this weekend, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to hold answer. your breath. Yeah. I'm not going to hold my breath. That's a great way to put it. I'm not going to hold yeah. my breath if that game gets played. I'm not saying the SEC doesn't care about Missouri or doesn't care about South Carolina, but um, that won't be a priority game in the reshuffling, I don't think. Oh, and, and for your TV partners either. I mean, they're probably not going to be too upset if they don't get uh, Carolina and Mizzou. Now, look. What about – what about LSU? CBS looking at what was left in the SEC and saying, we'll take the Mountain West? <laughs> now, part of that, part of that, I mean, they could certainly have taken Alabama and Kentucky, Alabama's number one team. Um, or, or, you know, if they felt confident about, um, I don't know, you know, Florida's playing Vandy, so I don't know if they knock themselves out for that, or Georgia, Mississippi State. But they could have said Auburn, Tennessee mm-hmm. again. Um, but what's going to happen, SEC couldn't provide their game this week. They're not going to pay the SEC yeah. for, for content that they didn't get. And, they and that's, probably a, that's a big reason why you start trying for, to play on the 19th, too, right? I mean, you 15, have a double header, potentially. Could you do that? You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, LSU. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal for those teams. Sure. Uh, you know, LSU's interesting because they don't have a chance to wear the crown again this year. But that don't mean they're not on the homecoming court. You know, LSU still has a she, pretty attractive, aren't they? I mean, because you have to consider still, as you said, mathematically, A and M's not out of this thing. So you you, <laughs> you need to play Alabama LSU from that perspective, and I don't care really what LSU's record is. You know CBS still wants to, if it can, uh, perhaps put that game on the air. I think that people would watch LSU football right now for the same reason that some people used to watch the old NASCAR races. <laughs> the, rack, the big one? The big one. I don't see if LSU's going to have the big one. The old, the old Talladega without restrictor plates. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, that's I, I think interesting. LSU's kinda, I think LSU's in that boat right now. I saw where LSU was a 42-point favorite against Arkansas last year and is a one-point dog this year. How about that for a swing? That would be an all-timer, I would think, without having yeah. that down to do the research. But that's, that's – I mean, and, and I'm, let me be the first one to step up and say, if you had asked me, when the revised SEC schedule, ten-game schedule, came out on September 26, um, I would have said LSU 
I would have felt comfortable saying that they'd win seven games. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have felt – I'd have probably said Arkansas would win one. Um, so, so credit to Arkansas. And, and, and they struggled. They were, they were out mad by Florida last week. But, yeah, there's, there's just no way. It's, it's amazing. There's just no way to tell on something. Missouri and South Carolina do – Managed to kick it off. How do you? How do you? How do you have a place of sporting Bob on that on one side or another of that? Game? Yeah, you know Missouri that, with fifty five guys and, and South Carolina firing their coach this week and their two cornerbacks starting cornerbacks opting out. Um, you know who knows? Who knows? I mean, I think you can feel. Fairly comfortable about Alabama. Fairly comfortable about Florida. Fairly comfortable about Auburn if that game gets gets kicked off. Fairly comfortable about Georgia. But the others, the other two, LSU, Arkansas, and Missouri, South Carolina, I got no. Your, your guess is as good as mine. Alabama, 30-point favorite over Kentucky, but I've been talking about it this week. And when I'm looking for Saturday from Alabama, it's more on the defensive side because – I don't know, Cecil. It must be post old Miss traumatic syndrome that is still, you know, uh, impacting me after that game in Oxford. Uh, but this is a Kentucky offense that, in terms of how it goes about what it does, you're going to have a, a quarterback that can run it. You got some capable running backs. You got a decent offensive line. I'm as interested to see how Alabama does defensively this week. As I've been in in the Georgia, the Tennessee, the uh, Mississippi State games, I, I'm more interested to see how they go about handling this on Saturday than I am any of the previous three games since since Ole Miss. Yeah, I think that there's that that's on the table. The, you know, a, a game that's closer than people expect, et cetera. Um, now, uh, again, whether whether Kentucky's at the absolute shootout level. I don't know. I mean, they had a shootout with Bandy last week, yeah, and and gave up thirty five. And so, you know, Alabama may may very well just put a number on the board that they can't get that Kentucky can't get right. to. Um, but turn the ball over a couple of times. You've been off a couple of weeks. You know, maybe if you're not sharp in execution, uh, Kentucky's well coached. Um, Stoops is a good coach, and so. They don't have they don't have the skill position guys Alabama has. Let's let's be honest about that. But um, you know they're they're sound defensively. They they do some um, good things offensively with the guys that they do have, and and they play a lot of teams like Ole Miss, um, like Vanderbilt. They, they play they're in the game, and sometimes they can't get over the hump, but they're in the game. So, so we'll see. Now, again, you know, Alabama may be able to throw fifty-six up there, and there's just mm-hmm. you can't keep up. Yeah, um, I'm not which, expecting. Which is a little bit game. what Alabama's evolved into these days. Almost like I said many times, we said many times, Oklahoma from three or four years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not thinking this game Saturday will be. A sort of shootout. I think Alabama's going to win the game comfortably, but I think we might find out enough to know to what extent Auburn the next Saturday might be a shootout. 
you know, because yeah. Kentucky, if Kentucky runs for 200 plus on Saturday and there's still these wide open spaces with tight ends running free and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bust at certain levels of the defense. Uh, yeah, I, I might start thinking along the lines of 2014 here in Tuscaloosa, that type of game, if that's what we see yeah. some signs of yeah. on Saturday. Um, More of an indicator for, for Auburn as yeah, much as anything else. Any, anybody that's just chalking that Auburn game up, um, it's just so hard to tell. It's just so, you know, they, they, they dominated LSU. How much of that was LSU? And you could yeah. go out and dominate Tennessee on Saturday the same way, not know how much of that is Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, but through a, a really difficult start, Auburn got a couple of breaks, took advantage of those breaks, and they seem to have uh, more so than most of the teams in the league, Alabama and Florida, accepted obvious exceptions, obviously, in Texas A&M. Um, and Auburn, they, those are teams with offensive identities. I don't know if there's anybody else. Ole Miss is the other one. It's got an offensive identity. It's just their defensive identity is so bad. Um, but I think Auburn's comfortable. I think Gus is comfortable with what they are capable of doing. Yeah. Got receivers, got that big running back, got Nick. You know, I think I think Gus likes what he's got. Mm-hmm. If you're Steve Sarkeesian, you know, I talk about this because the, uh, the South Carolina job comes open, and now with just about any job that comes open, Sark's going to be uh, showing up on, on a list. Um, what, what kind of job should it take, in your opinion, uh, to, to, to get a guy like Sark out of the spot he's in now? He's in a great spot at Alabama. Um, you know, we've seen similar situations in the past, whether it was Kirby, probably more so uh, than, than anyone else uh, that, that Nick's had. I guess, you know, Jeremy, you could point to as well. Um, what do you envision the, the kind of job being that, that would, would maybe uh, get something to go ahead and make that move? Yeah, I, I don't know if South Carolina is quite that kind, but, mm-hmm. you know, a chance to win. He understands. I mean, he's, he's got um, plenty of experience at, at USC and Washington and, and knowing Penn, Alabama, and knowing what it takes to win. And the, the first thing about South Carolina, and I haven't seen it talked about much, but you got you got to ask the AD, you know, or, or talk to the AD if, if you're in the hiring process. Um, what are his expectations relative to Clemson? You know, because because it's easy to walk in there and say, well, you know, we're going to turn this thing around and we're going to take this state over. Clemson's got it going, you know. Um, yeah. So you, you look at that situation, you look at the other teams in the East, and I don't know where South Carolina is exactly. And everybody says Spurrier, and Spurrier did do a great job there. He he, he did. Got them to the championship game one year. He made, they were competitive. Um, but but you got to do what Steve did. Plus, you got to recruit probably more than Steve did. You you got you're not going to get you're not going to stop Clemson's recruiting, but you got to turn some of that around. Um, so. Whether that's whether that's an SEC job for Sark, there's still to me there's still two tiers 
in the SEC, and they're still. I would still, you might disagree. I still think Tennessee's a better job than South Carolina. No, I do. Um, I agree. Yeah, for a variety of reasons. So, um, <laughs> who knows what the uh, situation at Tennessee is going to be in one more year? Yeah, yeah. Well, Cecil, as always, we appreciate the time, my man, and uh, look forward to some hoops talk as we kind yeah, of we'll have hoops converge the two hoops sports day. here. Next Wednesday will be Hoops Tip-Off Day. Absolutely. We'll be previewing uh, and Alabama and the Gamecocks, hopefully. <laughs> and everybody who uh, just can't wait, if they need that appetizer, that, that um, those cheese straws before the Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Absolutely. Before the, uh, I'm calling it Mauiville Invitational, like it because it's kind of Maui and Asheville converge there now <laughs> with that one. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, a, lot, a lot going on between now and then. Um, it, it really hoping to get to see, you know, a good full performance at Alabama to evaluate uh, the stretch run, because I think Auburn, even though it's not the last game anymore, it really starts a stretch run. No doubt. No doubt about that. Well, thanks, Cecil. We'll talk to you again next week. Okay, Trav, thanks. There you go. Cecil Hurt, sports editor and columnist, of course, for the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. Back with more Southern Fried Sports on a Wednesday, presented by Peterbrook Chocolates here right after this. What a beautiful day today. Blue sky and sunshine, the high 65. Clear tonight, the low at 38. And we stay dry tomorrow and Friday. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow is 67. Friday's high, right at 70 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BAMOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Always great to hear from Cecil Hurt. Yeah, we got a confluence here, as they like to call it, of college football, Alabama-Kentucky here at Bryant-Denny Stadium on Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock. And then a week from tonight, Alabama men's basketball cranks up the 2020-2021 campaign with the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State set to visit Coleman Coliseum. As we know, reduced capacity as well at Coleman for the basketball season. Somewhere in the neighborhood of, what, 2,000, 2,500 fans per game. So a pretty good opportunity on Thanksgiving Eve to get out and check out Nate Oates' second team. And it's season opening. Looking forward to that. Today's show has been a lot of fun. And the the lunch whistle on this Wednesday is Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Great lunch options. You know, on Tuesday, they do the Kraft Burgers. They had the Jack Daniels Burger yesterday. Looked like that Jack Daniels barbecue sauce, maybe a couple of fresh onion rings on that baby as well. Yes. 
Outstanding. If you want to go light, you can do that. They got salads, great salads. That chopped wedge that we told you about, they got a shrimp salad. You can get the spinach with the shrimp on top, grilled shrimp. Take care of you a couple different ways there. At Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Thursday. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. Thank you.